Welcome to another episode of the Golden Moment Podcast. My name's Mio Biskin. In this episode, I spoke to Lorraine McKenna. Lorraine is a band manager. She's a label manager. She runs a label called Our Golden Friend. She's also been doing the PR for Isolade, which is a online festival that has started since the pandemic hit, which is uh, quite an amazing event. And we talk about that in this podcast. We talk about a lot of things, talk about artist management, having a really great email newsletter because the Our Golden Friend one is so awesome. Uh, we talked about showcasing music, talked about mental health for artists during this time and many other topics. So without further ado, here is Lorraine McKenna. So I'm here with Lorraine McKenna. Welcome to this podcast. Awesome to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So, um, well, maybe we could get started by you telling us a little bit about what you do. Um, some of the roles, you know, I mean, you wear a couple of hats and what you're involved in. And then, yeah. then we'll go from there. Okay. Cool. Well, my name's Lorraine and I run a little company called Our Golden Friend, which is a record label and an artist management collective based in Melbourne, Australia. And I've been, um, we're actually just about to celebrate our fifth birthday on the 1st of December. Our Golden Friend will be five years old, which wow. is really interesting. <laughs> I actually kind of forgot that that was happening this year. And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, we've been, we're five years old this year. So that's Amazing. exciting. So this can be a little bit of a reflective, um, episode of, you know, yeah. you, can, you can celebrate all your wins, challenges. We can do a full review Definitely a five year. <laughs> if someone asked me where I was going to be in five years, I don't know if I would have said here, but yeah. um, this is where I am. So that's yeah. good. <laughs> I've ended up somewhere. So that's yeah. better than ending up nowhere. And uh, yeah, five years. Yeah, it seems a, a long time. And yeah, prior to setting up my own business, I have worked in the music industry. Now it's kind of going on close to 15 years or mm. maybe a little bit longer than that but yeah. yeah yeah so it's been five years out on my own but uh much longer in the music industry working for a, a lot a lot of different people and places before that yeah so i'm guessing yeah you've seen a lot change it, it feels like i don't know if this is true to say but it feels like the last 15 years have probably seen almost the greatest disruption in the music industry and changes and shifts i don't know if that's necessarily true maybe going yes. back to the mid 90s yeah. when the internet happened but i would definitely agree because when mm. i started working in the music industry streaming services weren't a thing so it was <laughs> yeah. there was no streaming services it was all about itunes and itunes was only mm. very very new as well yeah. and it was just about you know, downloading those MP3s and, um, you know, it was just kind of that era of eradicating illegal downloads kind yeah. of in a way and like refocusing people on paying for music, which they hadn't done for, you know, which had been such a huge thing through the 90s to the early 2000s of just, you know, illegally downloading mm. music. And then finally iTunes kind of seemed to legitimize it a little bit and allow mm. that and then you know it became a thing of like downloading albums and paying for songs and that type of thing and then all mm. of a sudden it moved to the streaming world so yeah I would say in the last 15 or you know 17 or so years that I've worked in the music industry it's yeah definitely seen a lot of changes in yeah. that respect yeah and so maybe uh if we continue along this trend line of um, talking about that big shift that happened kind of, I suppose the streaming um, platforms um, really, because even before that people kind of expected to pay for music. Like if you want mm -hmm. an item, like I want a, this thing, I've got to like pay for it. And then streaming turned into obviously a subscription thing where you have zillions of songs. Um, so from either a, a label side or, band manager, artist manager side. Um, what has been the main sort of challenge there? 
is it to go with the flow of streaming or is it to figure out revenue streams from that? I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot to be said about streaming and the way it works and how artist friendly it actually is. And, you know, there's a lot of dialogue about Spotify at the moment and how they're actually, you know, a tech company and not really a music company. And, um, but you know, that, that for, as far as streaming services go, that's where the main source of income is coming from because they at the moment have the largest market share in streaming. In Australia, uh, I think in America and in other countries, it's slightly different. There's other streaming services, but if we're talking about Australia specifically, Spotify definitely has the biggest market share of streaming services. So that is obviously where most of the revenue comes from for artists and labels at the moment. So yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a double-edged sword because it, it could, there, there's a lot of gatekeepers to the streaming world, and mm. um, it can be really hard to navigate and to make it work for, especially for independent artists or artists who are self-managed and don't really understand how to make it work for them. It can be quite confronting and seem a little bit unfair, and you know. So, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of challenges. I, for one, you know, welcomed streaming. Like when it first started as a thing, I was like, this is actually going to work because instead of the model of iTunes where you purchased, uh, you know, an album and you had it and that's it, you purchase it one time and then it would be on your computer for the rest. It was just a one-time purchase. Mm -hmm. Streaming has the ability for songs to make income forever. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. you put a song up there, that's never going to go away. Opportunity. Mm -hmm. So sometimes if you think about that, the more it's going to get streamed the time, the more money it's going to make. Whereas the old model of iTunes, it was one purchase and some you know, that's it. That consumer will probably never purchase that album again. Whereas mm. in the streaming model, um, you know, one fan could listen to a song a million times in their lifetime if they <laughs> wanted to, you know. Mm. So that's, um, yeah, there's a lot more. And I think if you look at it that way, it can give you a little bit more hope because you're like, oh, you know, a song and also it gives songs different life. Like a song could be out for like 10 years and, and, and mm. then it gets synced on an ad or something happens. And then all of a sudden the streams come, it doesn't necessarily, you know, it can give songs a bit of a, a longevity as opposed to not being discovered, you know, being mm. discovered immediately and then kind of not having the option to purchase them again. I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I suppose once that thing is is uploaded on Spotify or YouTube or whatever, people can discover it ten years later. Like even if someone's doing sync for a film or whatever, yeah. it's it's available. But if it's on stuck on iTunes somewhere and the only way to really get access to it is to buy it, then it's kind of hidden away. Mm. Um, I think that's exciting thing as well i always i feel you know i'm an eternal optimist so i always like to think that you know there's a lot of people in the music industry that think you know an album has a cycle and that's it and then it's done mm. um you know within a year or so of it being released but i think music discovery now is really exciting and you know sometimes you know you never know who's gonna hear your song at what point especially because of the way that you know, the algorithm on Spotify works like you finish listening to an album and it will just start serving you up random music and you never know what could come through to you and that's kind of exciting and you never know who could hear your music and then it could end up in another place and, yeah. So I like, you know, what technology has brought to the music listener and to the music industry, this kind of new way of discovering music whereas there had to be you know, when I started in the music industry, like mm. quite a long time ago, there was a very specific way of marketing music and reaching an audience. But now there's kind of more of an opportunity for people to find things in a semi-organic way, I think, which is mm. exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this thing of being the optimist, um, <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's become a bit of a theme of, of the podcast because often, you know, 
I get to a question like, you know, what, are, what motivates you to keep going or um, what's exciting about what you do or whatever. And the, the idea of, uh, you know, being positive, um, being optimistic seems to be one of the keys that, that um, allows people to embrace the changes. It can be quite confronting, like as an artist, when streaming comes along or something, like a lot of people just rebel against it and say, we don't like this and this is blah, blah, blah. But it seems that the optimists just go, okay, cool. Well, there, there must be something good about this or there must be a way that I can integrate it or there's an acceptance oh. that it's changing and I have to adapt. Do you, and do you I think that's... that's yeah i think in the music industry you have to if you're not adaptable you won't be successful like you just can't like the changes like everything changes so quickly and if you're not at the forefront of um you know those changes and understanding them and understanding the audiences and the music consumers and where they are and how they're listening to music then you will get left behind so like you can't really just think that you can do something the same way for a really long time and I think that's where like bigger major labels and also companies like Apple even like have mm. got got stuck because they mm. kind of thought they could do something a certain way but because of all the changes in the technology they kind of even got left behind like the fact that I just feel like the fact that Apple di didn't get onto the streaming thing, mm. they just ignored it um, yeah. in, you know, in those early stages and they lost, they, they've lost that battle and I don't know mm. if they'll ever win back the market share from Spotify. I mean, yeah, it's really interesting, but yeah. yeah and the same can be said about, in you know, major labels. They've done things a certain way for a really long time. And now because of technology and because of artists having more access to create music themselves and, you know, setting up their own labels and doing things independently that the major label models had to change a lot too, to allow for that. And for a mm. long time, they, they didn't, they were kind of like, Nope, we're going to do, this is how we've done it forever. So we're going to mm. stay that way. But I think they're definitely looking at different ways of doing things now because they have to. Mm. Do you think major labels are looking for artists in a very different way? Um, yeah, I think they're, they're doing a lot of different things. Like, you know, it's still within their huge constructs of, you know, but uh, yeah, I think they're definitely, I mean, the rise of TikTok has taught a lot of people a lot of things about actual viral uh, content and how mm. crazy if you, you know, because uh, I think TikTok is a really good example of, it's pretty much the only social media now that is really, really vi like can be mm. viral and it's based on an algorithm and nothing else like, mm -hmm. you know, Spotify and Instagram and everything. It's so closed off what gets fed to you. There's, it's yeah. really hard for some, for viral content to get through the way it does on the way TikTok works basically. Mm. So yeah. I think that's really interesting and that's taught a lot of people a lot, especially the music element of TikTok, which they haven't quite figured out how to monetize, but they're seeing that if a song, if someone random does a, a TikTok video that goes quite viral, the streams will pick up immediately on Spotify mm. and mm. other things. So they see the cor correlation there at the moment, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on the topic of social media, because that's another thing that in, in the music industry didn't exist 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, it was, all, well, I suppose in, in the way of MySpace, it did. It and did. That, and there was just a little bit of, um, you know, Facebook was just very new then. And yeah. there was no Instagram, I don't think, 15 years ago. But 10 years ago, there was Instagram. Mm. But, yeah, I think it definitely those things definitely changed but because again as i said and all the changes that facebook have had internally which has affected the way things have done because originally facebook was quite a great tool um for bands and mm. you know once everyone kind of abandoned myspace and moved to facebook it was like 
for a little while there was a way to create audiences through mm. Facebook without having to pay for anything. But mm. now mm. it's all, they've locked it all down. Like they got yeah. everyone addicted and yes. figuring it out and building audiences and doing all this stuff and then they shut all the gates to it. So, yeah. 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 Very um, interesting. And when it comes to uh, like the band, I don't know if you call it band management or artist representation, what do you call yeah. it? Um, how much do you now talk about social media with those artists versus, oh, well, maybe 15 years ago you already were, but as far yeah. as like having it as a central thing that they're working on or developing or that you develop with them? I think it's really personal to each artist. Like I think mm. social media is, I tend to not get too involved with some of my artists on it because some of them, I feel like social media works best if it's authentic and organically coming from the artist. Like mm. I don't think, um, you know, people can, audiences can see through manufactured stuff or stuff that is not content that looks to be organically created from an artist. And the things that audiences will connect with is, you know, genuine, output as opposed to something that's really clinical and it looks like it's just going through the marketing motions. Mm. So, um, you know, and also with artists that I work with, some of them, they don't like social media. It's not their personality. It's not their, it's not what drives them. Mm. And I think that's okay. Like, I think, you know, you still, you kind of have to have a presence on there, but you should use it the way that you feel most confident and comfortable using it. I just mm. don't think it should be forced upon people. And I think it's been very, very interesting this year in particular because of COVID and everything that has happened. And there's been this whole push for live streaming and live stuff on all of the different platforms. Um, and again, that's not for every artist. Like there's mm. some artists that, they don't want to sing to a camera. They don't want mm. to sing to a camera in their bedroom. It's not the best way that they connect with people. So mm. again, yeah, it's like, it was great for a moment, but uh, <laughs> I spoke to one of my artists yesterday who had to do a live stream. And after she finished it, she said, that's the last one I can't do anymore this year. Like that's it. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, I need, like a break from that because it can just feel a bit she called it shouting into the void <laughs> like, yeah. yeah because it's you know a weird sensation yeah yeah it's uh so different to performing to an actual audience and having actual humans interact with you so oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Not there's a lot the... of yeah a lot of different yeah so back to the question social media i think it's it's important to have a presence, but I feel like authenticity and organic content works much better than anything that is heavily orchestrated. Mm. Um, that's my feeling on it. Yeah. So Cool. I'm sure lots of artists who are listening are going to be sighing with relief to hear that. It's like, yeah. okay, cool, I don't have to be on there like 24 seven and be yeah. posting 17 pieces of content a day. It does help if that's part of your personality and that's what you want to do, then yeah. sure. Like, you know, but if it's not, then that's okay too. And I don't think people yeah. should beat themselves up about it. You yeah. should just do what makes you feel good because at the end of the day, I find social media is a huge, has a huge impact on people's mental health. Like, mm. you know, sometimes too much of it, mm. it can just, make you feel unhealthy in the brain and nobody <laughs> likes that. And True. so you should use it in a way that makes you feel healthy and confident. And if that is posting 17 times a day and talking to everyone and doing live streams and amazing, but if it's not that, then that's okay too. I think. Yeah. yeah. Great. Great. <clears throat> that's awesome. Um, with the artists who are less inclined to do it for whatever reason, um, what are some of the other channels that you are able to support them with or, you know, get word out about them? Is it more of the previous traditional type media things or online blogs or 
What are some things you yeah, need to focus on? Yeah, I feel like if, you know, we still definitely, even for the ones that don't love to post on social media all the time, you know, we still post when it's something big and important or it's like there's new music, then obviously there will be some type of social media presence because there has to be, as I said, but it doesn't have to be as heavily, you know, thought out as some other things. But, you know, just the general, you know, all of the, old school stuff still does work, you know, sending out a press release, having strong media contacts, having Mm -hmm. all, you know, the contacts with all the, I hate this word, but like tastemakery people, like, you know, getting the music to the people who, you know, will like it and listen to it. And then who they have a platform to share it in, you know, other ways and also radio i still think radio is really important mm. a lot of people you know there's this debate has streaming services taken away from radio but i personally don't think so i still like to discover music i listen to triple r a lot and i tend to discover music that i haven't heard just because mm. some of the presenters on that radio station have really great taste and find music in an organic way and that's also exciting an exciting way to kind of find music and it's that's always existed radio so i'm glad it still has some uh level of (laughs) worth yeah yeah it's true i mean it's been around a long time now like as a medium for listening to music or hearing music um and i suppose um some of that comes back to maybe your genre or audience and where they're hanging out, but it seems like the bands you love and are interested in are in that zone of, you know, triple R and things like that. Um, Awesome. And so um, this year has been crazy. Yes. (laughs) And you've also been involved in um, Isolade. Is that doing the promotion and stuff? Um, Yeah. And I've, I've, before we get to that, I want to tell you that your emails that you send out are awesome. Oh, <laughs> and I'd like to talk you. about this briefly. Yes, because, okay. Because, um, and, and maybe you'll be very happy to, that your emails are really landing and they hit the spot. But okay. um, because people get so much email and they get so much mm-hmm. noise at them. And um, I'll have to like leave a link to some of, I don't know, your emails or something so people can go check them out but they're always like interesting they have color they have movement they have real personality which is lacking very often so i wanted to ask you about that how that sort of evolved or whether that was you know deliberate how you found your sort of voice to do that whether that came very naturally whether blah 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 but yeah. Well, I I mean, I feel like uh, I'm really happy to hear you say that because I love our newsletter and um, it's definitely something that I've thought about a lot um, because, as you said, there is a lot of noise out there and people get a lot of things in their, in their inbox and it's like how I, when we think about doing the newsletter, I always think, what would I like to read? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, yes, we want to tell people what our artists are doing and we want to, you know, we've got new music, here's the shows coming up. But like, also I want to share things like, you know, what everyone who works with me is liking this week, like just Mm -hmm. random stuff. And Yeah. yeah, I have, Macquarie, who uh, works for me, she she puts together the newsletter. We, we all contribute to it, but um, yeah. she is the brains behind laying it all out and making it look pretty and having the yeah. cool gifts and all yeah. of that stuff. So she's really amazing at, you know, just contextualising all of the things that we've been doing. And, yeah, yeah, and I think also this year, you know, as we went through this big change and there was less things happening, less live shows and things. We Mm. kind of, through the newsletter, decided to, you know, look at the personalities from all of our bands and share recipes and Mm. uh, all different types of things to kind of connect on a different level to give people a bit more, you know, 
something else other than yeah. you know we were all still here we're all still in lockdown <laughs> we're all cooking sourdough bread so you know we we kind of like fed off that by including things like that in the newsletter um yeah to have a bit more of a personal connection rather than yeah. just you know spraying out marketing jargon at the end yeah. of the day but i'm More glad that you you find them interesting so definitely yeah good. i can see the work that goes into it there yeah they're like a little um personalized party or something you know it's like yeah oh we're gonna have like a little something cool's gonna happen here is like the expectation which i think is a very yeah. powerful thing to set up for people when they're flying through their inbox um yeah and also the thing of like you mentioned like recipes and things like i've heard as an artist for years, like, you know, send stuff out to your email list, like recipes. And I always thought like, oh man, I'm not doing that. Like that's, um, who's gonna care about that? But you've been able to like integrate it still again, like with your voice and with the brand yeah. and with the aesthetic that makes it feel very uh, natural. So yeah, kudos, I think. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're a fan. A fan of the <laughs> GF newsletter is a fan of mine so a fan yeah, yeah, yeah. of our labor yeah. so i like that yeah. yeah any artists out there who want to know how to do a, a newsletter should go and sign up so i'm, I'm going to leave links obviously under this podcast so they can go check that out yeah. but um talking about isolate um and just the the concept of it and how it um you know has started and and it's like it's i don't know if you expected it to really go this long but um no i mean the beginning when, and where are you now <laughs> i just remember emily Olman came to me and she was like i'm going to do this thing um because it was the first week of lockdown basically and it was all the way back in march yeah. and and she was like we you know and she what it is actually a little bit so yeah uh well isolate is basically a kind of an online festival um that was uh spawned during the first week of lockdown in melbourne when we because i feel like victoria kind of got locked down first in a way before the mm. rest of the country and i remember yeah i remember Emily being like because that was when we were all like rattled. We were all like, what is mm. happening? It happened very quickly. Like thinking back <laughs> to that point in the year, it just seems crazy to me because I was meant to be traveling to America and going to South mm. by Southwest and yeah. all of these things. And then um, I had bands on tour. I had like four of my bands were on tour and one of them was already in America. Two of them were on tour in Australia and, then as wow. things like as it shut down, like we had to bring everyone home from different places. And mm. then I didn't end up traveling. I was meant to leave Australia, I think on around the 12th of March. And I right. made a call then not to go to America. Mm. And it was really funny. Friends of mine who were actually going to move to America that I was I was flying on the Tuesday and they, their flight was on uh, the Friday and I was speaking to them and they actually went, they went um, to America, but then were wow. home two weeks later. So, right. And they were planning to move there for good, like wow. and wow. ended up coming back. So it's just, yeah, it seems like a crazy time. So when all of that was happening and then all of a sudden we went from like having all these shows booked for all of our bands and then nothing, and we just yeah. were like, oh, and yeah, I feel like it was like Emily and Rhiannon from Merpire um, had been working on another project together and they came up with this concept of um, an online festival where they would just have uh artists play on their Instagram, go live on their Instagram and then hand over to the next artist. And so when it first started, there was this thing where they used to do split screens with the two artists, like, mm. but they don't really do that anymore because there was so much learning and changing with the whole way things worked right at the yeah. start. But that very first week, I mean, Emily rang me up and she's like, 
you know, I'm going to do this thing. I don't really know what it is. It's going to be, but we're going to try to do two days. I think it was Saturday and Sunday. Um, and they just, it went for like eight hours each day on the first weekend, wow. which was, and I think for a while it continued like that Saturday, Sunday, like just back to back, um, people playing and artists really wanted that they had nothing else to do and we're all mm -hmm. like what's happening so i think that first week they did an amazing job of just programming really great artists to be involved in it and it was amazing it was like that first weekend i was like i watched the eight hours both days like i feel like yeah. i had like a sore neck and um <laughs> sore arms and everything from just being like glued to my phone screen or computer screen watching all the amazing um live streams and it was this really organic way for people to feel connected again mm. um and to feel connected to music because it had been a few weeks since um you know, all the shows had stopped and yeah, there was just this, yeah, organic need to want to connect with artists again and artists needing to connect with their audiences. And mm. so it just, yeah, the first weekend was incredible, really. It was just like, mm -hmm. and then it just snowballed from there. And I don't think um, even Emily thought that it would still be going now, but it, it is and yeah it's really amazing and she's done incredible work to like reinvented and all the different themes and things she's done over mm. you know this entire year now um yeah but yeah i i can't take a lot of credit we just do the pr for it mm. like i you know that's i've had a, it's been emily's brainchild and she's done an incredible job to kind of make it what it is now which is a, a brilliant brand and uh yeah. something that i'm sure will kind of carry on and something that everyone will remember this year as something mm. that brought the music community together when everyone was really struggling i think so yeah yeah, <clears throat> yeah it's such a positive idea all the way around like everyone really kind of uh was a winner in that process yes. everyone kind of got what they needed it was overwhelmingly positive yeah um so you mentioned uh you're going to go overseas you're going to go to south by southwest when i yep. first met you was at a music conference and i can't remember if you just recently come back from south by southwest or you had the, like earlier that year but you were managing three bands at South by Southwest or five acts? Four, four, four. bands. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, did you see that panel? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a very iconic panel because I was very um, scarred from the experience of taking four bands overseas all at the same time. So I had a lot of very real things to say. <laughs> yeah, you're probably recommending people not do that. I can't remember. I, oh, yes, I was like, well, you know, I definitely, my experience is not to be mirrored, I don't think. <laughs> like, but, um, It definitely yeah, was it a was, standout. Like, it made me think, like, whoa, all right, she's, like, going for it. She's... <laughs> She's very well, passionate was, about her bands, about her music. Like, you know, she's a person to keep tabs on. <laughs> yeah. Happen. Yeah. Well, it was really, it was just a really interesting time. If I look back to that and it was probably three years ago or three mm -hmm. or four years ago, probably three years ago. Um, yeah. And each of the artists had got the opportunity and, I didn't expect them all to get in and all we're having success in different parts of their careers. And it seemed like mm. the right time for all of them. And mm. I just thought it wasn't my um, place to say to anyone that they couldn't go. Like, you know, there was, a, I had a lot of managers say to me, Oh, I would have just taken the best two and, told the others it wasn't the right time. And I was like, yeah. I'm not the type of person that yeah. if someone has an amazing opportunity to go and showcase at South by Southwest, who am I to take that away from them? You know? Yeah, and yeah. that's why, yeah, but it was definitely challenging and it's not mm -hmm. something I would do again in hindsight, but also I probably wouldn't 
I don't know that I would be in a situation like that. It was kind of right at the start of when things were really kicking off for my business and I had a really great roster of artists then that were all kind of at this level of a lot of things happening for them and yeah, it was a very unique situation. (laughs) Challenging, but I learned a lot from it and um, yeah, good and bad, but good. (laughs) Mostly good. (laughs) Yeah, there's sort of two things I wanted to ask about it. One is um, firstly the the idea, the, um, the value of showcasing. Do you recommend artists do it at what stage in their career? what's it best for, etc. And then I'll get to the part two. I do think it's very important. I'm a strong believer in those music conferences and um, some of my bands have had brilliant opportunities come out of them, um, mm. most of them actually. And I think, but there is a certain point when you're ready to mm. showcase. Like I just don't think that anyone should be rushing out to do it um, if you don't have, you know, a, a plan for yourself or there's not music coming out or you don't have a fully formed band or your sound isn't mm. actualized. you know. There's a real point in an artist's career because if you go too soon at one of those things, it won't be successful for you. Mm. You want to feel very confident in what you have to showcase, basically, because mm. you are showcasing yeah. and all of the music industry is there to see new music and discover new music. So you want to make sure that when you're choosing to go to, if it's big sound in Australia or you know, South by Southwest, The Great Escape, Reaper Barn in Germany, um, any of those things, you want to make sure it's you're presenting the best version of your music mm. um, and that there's a reason to go. Because I've actually worked with artists who were, uh, one artist who was accepted to Big Sound and we decided not to go because um, when we put in the application earlier in the year, we thought it would be the right thing. But when she got accepted a few months later, it wasn't right. She wasn't ready. Her band wasn't ready. So we mm. turned down the application. And I think, I think even Big Sound was a bit shocked that we had turned it down because they mm. thought she was ready. But at the end of the day, if the artist doesn't feel like they're ready, mm. there's no point doing it because you want to make sure that you get the most out of those things. Cause as I said, all those people are there and you know, um, and it only takes one person in a room to change Mm. a career of an Mm. artist. And if the right person ends up seeing your music, it can pave the way for a lot of things. So yeah, I, I'm a firm believer in those conferences. I think they're really, really amazing, but I do think you need to, pick your moment when you get the opportunity to go just because you get accepted doesn't mean that it's the right time Mm. um you need to make sure that it is going to be the right time for you and that you can get the most out of the opportunity yeah awesome and um well this is probably a very simple question but do do you think there's there's something that artists should be attending anyway when they get the chance i mean you know going flying to to south by southwest may not be worth it just to get up to date with what's happening in the industry but maybe it is is it is it a decent idea to go i think it's a great idea to go before you do it i think um and that's what actually what we ended up doing with the artist who declined, who was like, I'm not going to do it this year because I'm not ready. She went Mm. up and experienced it as like a Mm. punter, like going to the shows, watching what happens. Because Mm. I think, you know, as far as doing that with international conferences, it might not be feasible uh, because, you know, you have to fly to America and it's quite expensive. But it, I think for something like South by Southwest, if fingers mm. crossed, hopefully it happens in the same capacity that yeah. it has previously, going there prior to playing it would give you a better understanding of just like, because the mm. first time I ever went to South by Southwest was I was going there with four bands like, and I've never <laughs> been before. And uh, it was just like, 
whoa, like this is. Oh no, actually, that's a lie. No, the first time I went to South by Southwest, I only had two bands. I lied. <laughs> the second time I went, I had four bands. Sorry, I mm. forgot. The four bands thing just overshadowed the time before that because. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, the first time I went, I took two bands, and yeah, that was that was probably good. But I would have hoped. Yeah, it would have been helpful for me to go and experience it without any bands first as a manager to kind of understand it. Um, Because now I've also been, um, not this year, but the year before, I actually didn't have any bands playing South by Southwest, but Mm -hmm. I went anyway. um, Because I think that it's um, actually, even if you don't have an artist showcasing, it's really important place to meet people and to kind of uh I was doing a lot of different things and it was actually really nice to go to one of those conferences and not be running around after bands and not having all these like things that you have to do and kind of just going there as an attendee and being able to experience it as opposed to experiencing it for an actual like purpose Yeah. yeah So my recommendation would be definitely if and don't feel disappointed about not getting in. If you're applying for the first time and you don't get accepted, consider going and having a look and understanding how it works and um, how you can actually get the most out of it when your time comes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And that also perfectly leads into the second part of the question where you mentioned you went anyway um, to meet people because then the networking aspect like you know networking can have a gross tone to it but um, like community or your connections whatever it is that it's you know it's your network Um, that was I mean that was another thing I noticed um, a big sound that you had a natural knack for networking you know just I mean and I think it it stems back to something else that we've been talking about which is authenticity I think you were just authentically connecting with people but I wanted to ask just the importance of network in all the things you've been doing but um, I suppose also for artists but just how how important is is networking and give us some cool networking tips yeah I don't love the word networking like it just like nobody does but I think for me, it comes down to having a presence and in the music industry, you kind of have to be present um, physically, (laughs) like at events and meeting people and then also working with them. It kind of adds a new element. They, you know, they see you as a real person. You're having a drink with them at the bar. You're watching music together. It kind of, makes you real as opposed to just someone on the end of an email, you know, or, and then, so for people going to these type of conferences for the first time, you'll meet people and then you can actually email them and they go, Oh, I know who you are. Cause I had a drink with you or I, mm. you know, bumped into you walking down the street or whatever. And that we're humans. We like connection. We like to yeah. know people face to face and, Sometimes it'll be like, oh, you know, I met you here. And you're like, oh, yeah, great. I actually know this person. They're not just yeah. a, a, a letters on a screen, you know. <laughs> so yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, I think it's just human nature to want to connect with people on a physical level. And that is something that really plays into the music industry. And that's why mm. I think those... You know, and it's not for everyone. A lot of people have social anxieties and are socially awkward mm-hmm. and that's okay. There's other ways to do things if that's not, you know, if you don't feel comfortable in those social situations, don't put yourself there. Like I just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a lot for a real advocate for mental health and what makes you feel good in the music industry because there's a lot of things that we do that can make you feel not well in the brain. Yeah. Um, so just don't do them. If they, if, you know, going out, every night and meeting people isn't your thing, don't, don't do it. Like you just yeah. find another way to connect and there are other ways. Um, mm. But well, yeah. yeah. Find someone to advocate for you. I mean, that's what yeah. you essentially do for yeah. your band members. And I've seen other artists do that at Big Sound. Someone who was showcasing just brought their closest friend to just go to meetings and <laughs> yeah. go do all that other stuff. And it, 
it was very effective. Because some people really enjoy it and others don't. And yeah. that's, that's okay. Like that's yeah, okay. Get someone else. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's it. And it can, um, yeah, whatever works for you, I think is important to remember, especially cause yeah, the social side of the music industry can feel a bit much sometimes, especially when you're new at it or you don't feel like you know a lot of people. Um, but the only really way you break through that is continuing to go to those things. Like it becomes easier the more times you've been and the more people you know and the more comfortable you feel in those social situations. But entering into the music industry can be daunting because it just seems like everyone knows each other and there's this whole clique of people and mm. it's like, how do I navigate that? And there isn't really, I can't really tell you how to do that because it's mm. really personal. Everyone should just do what feels good for them. Never, yeah. you know, you don't want to walk away from something and feel like, oh, I felt so uncomfortable and awkward and I didn't like it, you know. Yeah. That's never yeah. a good feeling. So, yeah. I find something that's helpful is at those things that I, I just remember that everyone's there to meet someone. You know, like yeah. people are so open to meeting. That's why they're there. They kind of want to meet people. So going up to someone, they're kind of welcoming that in a way. They're, they're, yeah. they're expecting it. It's not like you're just accosting them on the street and like, hey, I want to talk to you about this thing. That's a, the context is already sort of warmed up for meeting, which is helpful to be like, oh, this person probably wants me to go and talk to them. So I'll just go say hi. Definitely. And I think that's important to remember that is, and people from the music industry are there to discover new music. So yeah. it's like anyone who doesn't want, who's at, who works in the music industry and is at one of those conferences and doesn't want to be approached is probably, <laughs> I don't know, like yeah, they probably place. need to take a check and like check in with themselves and see what they're actually doing. Because yeah, there's a, it's, um, yeah, the social side of things can be hard to navigate, but yeah, it is about having a presence and kind of, um, yeah, face-to-face -face knowing someone can make all the difference, like, yeah. or just having that little connection where someone goes, oh, no, yeah, I met you at the bar. That's right. Cool. Yeah. I I know there's a cognitive thing in my brain that says I know you because I've seen yeah. you. Like so it's yeah. Yeah. And then immediately the trust level just goes up. Like, oh, you're, you're yeah. a physical human being who seems to have good intentions. Yeah. So we can probably collaborate and yes. <laughs> have a conversation. Definitely. Yeah, it's very, very powerful. Um yeah, yeah and a and a real challenge in this sort of digital time and digital age where we can reach millions of people potentially, but not uh, yeah. always in the same way um yeah cool so maybe um to finish off i, I was thinking because we've sort of been talking a little bit about this idea of either um, mental health or taking care of that it's not really something i've spoken very much about on on the podcast but um because i i was going to ask you know what's what's the number one thing you feel like artists should focus on um just to at this maybe at this present time whether it's they should just be focusing on songwriting or they should be connecting with an audience whatever it is but um we talked we've been talking about mental health so i don't know if that's one of the things you think people really need to take care of but i think yeah i was gonna I think, say it's really interesting because i've had a lot of chats with different managers and different artists over this you know last nine months of craziness that we've all been experiencing and you know a lot of people are like oh this is the time when everyone should be writing their best music because they have all this spare time and like artists should be creating and that's what they should be doing but also we've all gone through a really crazy time mm -hmm. like we people have lost jobs income like everything mm -hmm. has changed how is that conducive to creativity? Like how is that conducive to creating your best work? Yes. For one person, it might be um, putting them in a situation. Yes. They have lots to write about, but for someone else, it might, they might be really depressed. They might be really struggling. Not being mm -hmm. able to be on stage every night might 
have put them in a really bad place. So I don't think putting pressure on artists at a time like this to be creative and to have written their best music and to be using this time, which is everyone is like, this time, we have all this spare time. Like it needs to be put to use. But I think we need to be gentle on ourselves. Mm -hmm. We've all been through crazy shift, crazy change. Um, if you're not feeling creative, that's okay. If you're if you are amazing, but don't put this whole pressure on artists and creatives to be churning out output now, because mm. I think that's very unhealthy. And, mm. you know, as I said, I've said it a few times, just do what makes you feel good in the brain. Like I think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's always in the music industry and in all creative industries, there's this pressure to create mm. and to always be creating, but that's not, possible all the time and it's definitely mm. not possible in the middle of a pandemic when mm. you know and the pandemic is only one of the crazy things that we've seen happen this year like yeah. you know yeah, so yeah. it's like there's a lot of different levels and I think yeah mental health this year really has to be at the forefront if you feel mm. creative great if you don't that's okay too like you mm. don't I just don't think we should be putting pressure on people um in this heightened <laughs> year that we've been having. Yeah. Great. Yeah. It's a great message. And it's, and it's very true. The thing of, um, if you're in a, if you are suffering from any anxiety in this period, it, it totally shuts off the creative part of your brain, like the prefrontal cortex, like it literally yeah. closes it down. So trying to force it and then feeling like I'm hopeless cause I can't do this right now can add even more stress and mm. so uh, yeah i think it's really great advice and it's been a really great conversation and nice to meet you uh this time in the virtual f flesh but yes hopefully in, in the real world again thanks yes yeah, thanks so well if feels like we'll be out in the real world again soon it, yeah. it does definitely feel like that so fingers yeah. crossed we can yeah you know do the thing that i was talking about connect in real life because yeah. that feels like a real connection <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how our brains work yeah cool well thanks heaps lorraine yes thank you so thanks to Larray for that great conversation. We went all over the place. Hopefully you found that really valuable if you're an artist or you're just interested in music and how the industry works. Uh, Larray has been at it for a long time. She's seen all the twists and turns, so I hope you enjoyed that. There's going to be links beneath this video in the description where you can find out all about our golden friend, Isolade, and many of Larray's artists and other things we talked about, so you can check that out. If you want to get a free download of some of my songs, you can head to meobiskin.com slash free music and get a couple of free tunes to download. If you want to buy a CD, my latest album, Golden Moment, you can head to meobiskin.com slash GMCD. You'll get a personalized CD sent to your home, wherever you are in the world. Apart from that, if, if you would be so inclined to like this, share it, chuck it on social media, send me an email, do whatever you want to do with this podcast and spread the love. That would be much appreciated. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode very soon. Bye for now.